Assalamualaikum Okay, Bismillah. So today, inshallah, we're going to go over um, the fiqh of menstruation, and I'm going to do my best to keep it under 30 minutes so we have enough time to go over questions and have a nice discussion, inshallah. Uh, there are, so the information I'm giving you is taken out of Umdatul Ahkam, which is um, a book of hadith, and it's a book of fiqh um, that talks about the it has different chapters and one of the chapters is the chapter of purity which is the first chapter of the book and it has a sub chapter in it that talks about all the hadith the sheikh he brings all the authentic hadith that are in bukhari and muslim that talk about menstruation so um, i'm letting you know that inshallah so that you can reference back to those if you need if you would like to look at the hadith themselves just for the sake of time i will just give you my explanation of the hadith that i took from my teachers and i will try my best to bring different views as well um, and as Sister Nahila mentioned, there are differences of opinion. So one of the etiquettes when it comes to difference of opinion is that we respect all of the opinions. So it's up to you as a person to see what practically fits into your life from these opinions. You know, whether there's a certain school of fiqh that you follow, whether Shafi, Ahmed, whatever, you know, you're accustomed to, or whatever practically fits into your life. Um, but all of these views, even though there is a difference, they're all uh, accepted and respected with all of the scholars, and they all have their valid evidences. Um, and inshallah, I'll also try to give you majority opinions as well when we get through them, inshallah. So the first thing I want to start with, you know, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Wallahu la min al Allah is not shy of teaching you the truth, or Allah is not shy of teaching you what is right. Um, and the shyness that we're talking about here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, this is not the shyness in terms of your, how you should carry yourself and, and the way you dress and, and being shy from doing things that are displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, doing, uh, being shy from doing things that may be inappropriate. The shyness that Allah is talking about here is a shyness that it would prevent you from learning your religion. It would prevent you from asking questions so that you can um, understand, so that you can comprehend your religion. And this is the shyness that we're referring to. So when it comes to learning what what is what it is that you need in order to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala correctly, there's no shyness. There's no like weird, silly, stupid questions, nothing like that. Inshallah, if for, as long as it's for the sake of bettering and benefiting your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All right, so we're going to talk about menstruation. Um, and the first thing I want to talk about is blood, right? So there's different types of blood. And depending on the type that it is, it has a ruling. So the blood that comes from both passages, um, meaning from your vagina or the anal area, is deemed as impure, OK? Small amounts of blood that may come out of other parts of your body are overlooked. So for example, if you have a pimple on your face and you pop the pimple and you know sometimes it may bleed, that doesn't mean now you're impure, you have to go make ghusl or you know, before you can pray. 
Okay, and there's a, a, a there's a hadith actually Ibn Umar, uh, the son of Umar ibn Khattab, that one time he had like a something on his face and he scratched it while he was praying and it started to bleed. He continued his salah. He didn't break his uh, prayer. So that's evidence that it doesn't break your wudu. It doesn't break. Uh, you don't have to make a ghusl for that. Large amounts of blood are deemed that come from other parts of your body are deemed impure with the majority of the scholars. However, the Shafi'is they say that it is pure. Okay. So this is hadith. I'm going to skip them just so these are here for your reference for later on. You can go back and look over them. They're also in Umdat al Ahkam as well. So if you want to reference back, inshallah. Um, but let's talk about menstruation. Um, so we know that the menses for the woman is signals the beginning of womanhood. And there's no minimum age, according to the scholars of fiqh, when it comes to when a woman starts her menses. Okay. So it's not like you know, she has to be 15. And if she gets, you know, if she starts to bleed before the age of 15, it's irregular. That's not correct. Um, there's no minimum age. Okay. And in origin, so the asl, the origin is that any blood that comes out of your vagina is considered menses, except if you're able to decipher the type of blood. And we'll talk about this soon. So it's, it's going to be blood that any blood that comes out of your vagina is in its origin menses, unless you're able to decipher the type of blood that it is and say, no, this is a blood nifas, this is istihada. And we'll talk more about what these are and how we can distinguish the types of blood. And so what we must do as women is that we should try our best to calculate and we should try our best to determine um, when our cycle is, how long it is, and things like that. However, and I get a, a lot of questions from sisters and say, you know, I, I pray, or I thought my period ended, and then I made a ghusl, and I, and I started praying, and then when I finished, and I went to the bathroom, I saw I was still bleeding. You're not sinful for making mistakes, okay? So there, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful, and you're not sinful for making mistakes. So what you can do is just do your best to calculate and determine, and sometimes, you know, you might see spotting a few days later. Um, it's okay. All you have to do is go again, make ghusl, and start praying again, okay? You don't have to make up any prayers or fix anything like that, and just remember that you're not sinful for making mistakes, Okay, so how can I tell if the blood is my period? Okay, the first thing you need to do is check the type of blood. And we'll, and we'll soon go and look at the different types of bleeding that could occur and um, how, we can differentiate, how we can differentiate between them. So once you check the type of blood, then you have to go and see, is it the time of the month that I usually get my period in? Okay. If it's if your period is irregular, the scholars they say you can the meaning that you have irregular bleeding and it's ongoing bleeding, then take the first six or seven days, and then after that, you can make ghusl and start praying, and you have to make wudu before every prayer. Okay. Other thing that you can do is 
you, if it's not six, if you don't do six or seven, you can do according to the women around you. And you know, a lot of times um, when, you know, a woman is on her period and then you notice that maybe your sister is also like her cycle is nearby yours or your mother or your really close friend, things like that. So, you know, the people around you, the women around you tend to have the same cycle as you. So you can go according to theirs. So for example, if you experience irregular bleeding, and your mother's uh, cycle usually lasts seven days, then you can say for the first seven days, it's my period. After that, I'm going to make ghusl and then start praying. And then before every prayer, I'm going to make, okay. And then so if, let's say you finished your period, you waited seven days, not irregular bleeding. You've, you've done your period, seven days are done. You made ghusl, you start praying. And then let's say a couple hours later or, or a few days later, even you notice that your period comes back, or even if there's like a little bit of spotting, whatever the case may be in that situation, again, you're not sinful for making mistakes. What you would do is just, you go, you make, you can wait and see if your period is still continuing. Once you've checked, wait until it's done again, once it's finished and it's clear. And then I'll show you, uh, we'll talk about the signs of like the period ending, then go and make a ghusl, you know, shower, uh, do the ritual bathing, and then you can start praying again. Okay. There's no, and when it comes to making a mistake there, in this case, there's no need to repeat or make up your salah. Okay. So let's talk about the difference in bleeding. The first bleeding that we'll talk about is the menses in Arabic is called haid. And there are four characteristics to haid, to your menses. First is the type of blood that it is. And the blood for your period typically is darker in color. It has a distinct smell. It has a particular smell. And it's usually thicker in texture, okay? The second thing you look at is the timings. The second characteristic is the timings. So the majority of the scholars now, they say that the maximum that a woman um, can have for her period is 15 days. And after that, if she's continuing to bleed, it automa automatically becomes something what is called istihada, which is irregular bleeding or bleeding due to an illness, okay? And so because there is no minimum period, um, and you can refer back to these narrations and the women that are questioning the Prophet in regards to the type of bleeding that they had. Now, if the woman's bleeding continues and she's not able to distinguish A, meaning she's not able to distinguish the type of blood that it is, and she's not able to, it's past the max, or she, she has this irregular bleeding that is continuing. She's not able to do either the first or the second thing mentioned. Then she, what she does is she, uh, she counts again when we talked about six or seven days, or you can go by the um, cycle of the women that are close to you, maybe your mother, your sister, um, your daughter, uh, things like that, and then start from the beginning of the month. And this is in a situation where you're bleeding maybe like three weeks out of the entire month, or you're bleeding for a whole month or whatever, like, you know, there's some illnesses or some things that may cause um, you to be in constant state of bleeding for six months, and then six months, no bleeding at all. So in these kind of situations, when you can't um, do the first or second, then you can um, 
choose six or seven days or pick uh, the cycle of the women that are close to you, around you, um, and start at the beginning of the month. Okay, and so from the first until the seventh of each month, it, this is my period. Once the seventh is done, I'm going to make ghusl, and then I'm going to start praying. And after every prayer, you have to make wudu. Okay. Okay. When it comes to istihada, which is the second type of bleeding, and this is like the irregular bleeding, bleeding due to illness, it has three characteristics. Okay, and this is when bleeding continues past 15 days, according to the majority of the scholars. And also there hasn't been 13 days between two menstrual cycles. Okay. So there has to you have there has to be more than 13 days between two menstrual cycles. If there's not 13 days, then it's considered irregular bleeding or bleeding due to an illness, istihada. And then also usually with a bleeding that is due to an illness, the blood is not thick and it doesn't have a distinct smell. In fact, some people say that it doesn't have a smell at all. So it has three characteristics. The, the menses that we talked about has four, istihada has three. The next type of bleeding is nifas. And this is postnatal bleeding, it has two characteristics. So we went four, three, two. So postnatal bleeding, which begins after delivery and typically lasts for a maximum of 40 days. This is the opinion of the majority. Imam Ahmed's madhab, Imam Ahmed's school of fiqh, uh, the Hanabila, they say that the nifas begins when contract, uh, contractions begin. So when you're like beginning to go into labor. And this is their view. Now, depending on the view that I take, if you take the opinion of the majority, then do you have to pray during labor? According to the majority, yes, because that blood is pure, okay? Um, all you do is uh, you make wudu if you're able to, and then you pray. If you take the view of the Hanabila, then no, that blood is deemed impure um, and you do not pray. Now, any, all of the rulings, this is the second characteristic of nifas. Any of the rulings that pertain to menses also applies to nifas. So your period and postnatal bleeding are sisters, okay? And they take the same rulings. Istihada, and the next one, which we'll talk about, that's called dam al-fasid, which is any other type of bleeding are sisters, and they take the same ruling. So if you are um, in postnatal bleeding, then you don't pray. If you're all the same rulings that apply to your menses apply in postnatal bleeding. And then all of the rulings of istihada, which is the irregular bleeding or bleeding due to an illness applies to dem facet. And dem facet has only one characteristic. And this is any bleeding, which is not from any of the above. So if any of the bleeding that you have does not fit into any of the above categories, then it's considered dem facet. So again, here, all of the rulings of menses apply to nifas. All of the rulings of istihada apply to dam facet, meaning that you wash, you make um, wudu, and you carry on. And a way to remember um, the rulings and the characteristics I was telling you, four, three, two, one. So your period has four, uh, istihada has three, nifas has two, and dam facet has one. Okay. Um, actually, before I move on, let's talk about, since we're talking about here in Nifas, I want to also talk about uh, miscarriage. 
what is the ruling of a miscarriage? Because we said nifas, this bleeding, postnatal bleeding from labor is deemed impure. Um, and it it's the bleeding that occurs after you've given birth. Okay, so the majority of the scholars, they say that the miscarriage, the blood that you may have from a miscarriage is con considered istihada. It's considered due to an illness because um, no child was born, right? And usually a miscarriage is done eight, early on, so earlier than 80 or 90 days in the pregnancy. So this is before uh, the soul ha has entered into the um, the embryo that is developing in your body okay if a human is born then it's nifas if a child is not born and this is early on this is a miscarriage it's istihada so with istihada you may pray and it's important to know the difference in these rulings because you know um you will be able to know whether you can continue to pray or not and things like that all right, how do I know that either my menses or this postnatal bleeding has stopped? So any of these three characteristics. So as long as you have one of these three, you're good. So the first is that the bleeding has completely stopped and it, everything is totally dry. Second is that now there is white or yellow discharge. And the reason why we say any of these three is because some women, they um, experience like regular clear or white discharge, you know, outside of their period. So if we say only it has to be totally dry, then maybe it might not apply to this woman. So as long as her discharge now is white or yellow, is no longer brown, dark, red, things like that, that's a sign of hers finishing as well. Or, and then this is for Nifas, 15, 15 days have passed or 40 days for Nifas have passed. So if any of these three, if you meet any of the criteria for any of these three, then automatically your menses or your postnatal bleeding has stopped. All right. So a woman who gets her period for the first time, she can do the following of these things. So first, she should check to see what type of blood it is. Um, and this is good because it helps her to kind of get familiar with what her period looks like. Right. Um, some women have a heavier flow. Some women have a lighter flow. Some women, they first get like brown discharge the first few days and then they see red. Some women have spotting. So it's for you, for you to be able to kind of start to see what your cycle looks like because it can look different from woman to woman. All right. If she's not able to do that, then again, she bases her own cycle from that of the women around her both the beginning and the duration. So if, you know, the women around her typically get it like the first week of the month, she can base it off of that as well. Now, when it comes to the first cycle that a woman experienced, there is flexibility in it. You're allowed to experience it. You're allowed to kind of just observe and see what is going on with your body, what your period looks like, how long does it last? Like, take your time. I know, like, so for example, should you rush to make ghusl as soon as your period's finished? Take your time, make sure everything's clear, make sure you've seen one of these characteristics or one of these signs that the bleeding has finished experience it and then go and make a ghusl and um, you can begin praying again okay and then for the following month you have an idea of your cycle that you're bleeding um whether it's a light flow whether it's a heavy flow whether you have spotting you know things like that you have an idea of what to expect all right some benefits around istihada which is the um bleeding due to an illness or um irregular bleeding is that the woman is not impure okay the blood is impure and this is important because i think with um 
um, there's very different extremes depending on different religions. Like some men, they just um, enter upon their women, whether she's like bleeding or not. And then others, they deem her as a whole herself impure. And, you know, they don't like uh, the Jews that lived at the time of the Prophet in Medina, they used to build homes for their wives to go and live in whenever they're bleeding. And like they would have a separate home, like and not interact with them at all, because they would see the whole entire woman as impure. And Alhamdulillah, Islam came and you know showed us what is correct. And from this, we learned the Prophet taught us that the woman herself is not impure; the blood is what is impure. Okay. And so, if you have, if you have irregular bleeding, what you do is you just clean yourself and then make wudu before each salah, before each prayer. When you have this irregular bleeding, you continue to pray, you continue to fast, you can recite the Quran, you know, and different things like that. So these are more hadith for your reference that you can go back to. Um, more issues that we can talk about, what can you do and what can you not do when you are on your menses, okay? Um, so we talked about, um, exiting the state of impurity for menstruation, you make a ghusl, um, that the woman herself is not impure, rather it's a state. And so there is no harm for the husband and wife to live as normal, as we kind of touched upon, sleep in the same bed, you know, eat from the same plates, uh, be intimate with one another without intercourse. Uh, the, the Prophet and Aisha, they used to be intimate with one another without intercourse. There's a hadith that mentions that the Prophet would, you know, kind of touch Aisha in between her legs and things like that, and they would just be intimate with each other. Um, and the impurity doesn't make the water impure either. And we know this because uh, Aisha and the Prophet they would bathe from the same pots. Um, and then now, when you are on your menses, there is a difference of opinion. Um, but some scholars, they say that it's not permissible for a woman to enter the masjid, right? Uh, but she's allowed to partially enter a walkthrough if, if there is a need. Now, when we see masjid, we have to differentiate what is a masjid and what is a musalla. A masjid is, some, is a building that is owned by the Muslims, and it's a building that has the fixed five daily prayers. So for an example, masjid haram in Mecca, masjid nabawi in Medina, right? It's a building that is owned by the Muslims, and it has the five daily prayers in it. And so... Um, the musalla, on the other hand, is not necessarily owned by the Muslims, and it doesn't have all the fixed prayers, okay? So for an example, the park, right? Because we know that the, the Prophet ﷺ, one of the gifts that he was given from Allah is that the entire earth is a musalla for us, meaning that you can pray anywhere. So sometimes you do Eid prayer in the park, this is considered a musalla. The prayer room at school or work, things like that is considered a musalla. So in the musalla, you're allowed to go in during your menses. This is the majority opinion. Um, and in the musalla also is not uh, that you pray two rak'ahs, um, you know, when you greet the masjid, you don't do itikaf, you do these things in the masjid, okay? So the majority view is that a woman is not allowed to enter into the uh, masjid while she is menstruating. However, if she needs to for, you know, maybe she needs to drop off something for her husband, pick up her child, things like that, is, uh, it's fine if she does that. Now, Sheikh Al-Albani, he is a scholar in his rights, 
um, he has the view that it's permissible to go to the masjid while you're on your menses. So there is a difference of opinion. Um, again, you, we respect both views and you take whatever practically fits into your life, inshallah. All right. Um, another thing that is permissible is for people to pray around women who are in their menses. Okay. Um, it's permissible for a woman to listen to the Quran while she's on her menses. Now, when it comes to reciting the Quran, there is differences of views. Okay. So Imam Malik, Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, and my teacher's teacher, Sheikh Sa'ad al-Shathri, rahimahullah, hafizahullah, uh, they take the view that it's permissible for a woman to recite the Quran while she's on her menses. Right? And you can either use a Quran that has a translation, or if you use the mushaf, the actual Quran, then you need to have a barrier between you and it while you touch it. Um, now, the opposite view is that, uh, and this is the majority of the scholars, state that it is haram for a woman to um, recite the Quran while she's on her menses. And the reason why is that because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, لا الجنب القرآن. Do not recite the Quran while you're in a state of major impurity. And the menses is considered a form of major impurity. And then Shaykh Ibn Uthaymin, rahimahullah, he came and his view, his opinion is the most balanced one. Allah have mercy on him. And his view is that if a woman wants to recite the Quran just for the sake of reciting it, right? She doesn't have any other reason to recite it just for like the sake of reciting it as an ibadah, things like that, then he said is not allowed. But if there is a reason for her to recite it, like she needs to do ruqya on herself or someone else, you know, she's doing dhikr, you know, your morning and evening adhkar and before you go to sleep has ayat kursi, the last two ayahs in Surah Al-Baqarah, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَادُ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقُ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ Things like that, you're allowed to recite these. Um, he also says if it's part of your lesson, that maybe you take Quran classes and it's part of your lesson to recite, you're allowed to do that. And also if you've memorized the Quran and you fear that if you leave it off for X amount of days, you're going to forget it or your memorization is going to become weaker, then you're allowed to revise it for the purpose of keeping your memorization strong. And so his opinion is the most balanced, Allah have mercy on him. But again, these are the three different views. You can take what you uh, seem that it fits your life practically and what view you best align with inshallah, but they're all respected in their own rights and they all have their evidences that are valid. All right, I believe that's all. Um, yeah. So this last thing is just what we learned from this is that you don't have to make from this hadith is that you don't have to make up your um, your prayer when you're um, on your menses. That this is a, a concession that Allah subhanahu wa has given you that you are exempt from and you don't have to make it up. So that is all inshallah. So now we can begin the quiz. Thank you so much, Sister Severoni. It was a beautiful, beautiful, mashallah, reminder. Um, this has enhanced our previous explanations of the menstrual presentation that we had a few months ago, a couple of months ago. And alhamdulillah, this time we get to ask many more questions. But number one, at what age does the menses period start and end. 
at what age does the menstrual period starts and ends? Um, so the the strongest view is, and this is something that Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah says, is that there's no minimum age and there's no maximum age mm -hmm. because every woman is different, you know, and it, also you have to take into consideration the time, the era, the environment that you live in, your family, genetics. There's a lot of things that take into factor. So it's not correct for one scholar because of the women in his time say this is the minimum age and this is the maximum age. And then, you know, hundreds of years later, generations pass, environment is different, the foods that we eat are different, you know, all the things that are going on around us. So the most simple explanation is that there's no minimum, there's no maximum, you just look at the type of blood that it is. Alhamdulillah, thank you for the clarification and the explanation. Yeah. Okay, next question. How short and long can a menstruation period last? I was Subhanakallahumma bihamdika shadu an la ilaha illa ant as-salfuraka wa tubu ilayka.